Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. I'm from Kentucky. Y'all know that, right? (laughs) So one of the things that we love about Kentucky is March Madness. NCAA tournament. 64 teams and now 68 teams with the play-in all get to challenge for the NCAA National Championship. Now, unfortunately, they canceled March Madness this year. Um, There may be a few select colleges that are are rebuking that, but in Kentucky, we say it's canceled. Maybe it's because we lost in the first round. But one of the things that Kentuckians hate about March Madness is that every year they play the clip. Matter of fact, they call it the shot is the name of this clip. And in this video, it takes us back to 1992. Now, there are certain events in the world where everybody knows you know exactly where you were standing. You know what you were doing. You know where you were on this day in history. Some of these are great events. Some of these are are definitely uh, adverse events that have hit our nation and, and, and hit us personally. But if you live in the state of Kentucky, you know exactly where you were in March of 1992. The Fab Five. The five men still standing. The C- this is back when Kentucky used to have something they call in college, um, what's that word? Seniors. Um, so we had seniors on our basketball team. And three of them lived in the state of Kentucky. We had John Pelfrey and Darren Feldhouse, two men that stood at six foot eight. And, and these guys were, were, came out of small schools in, in, uh, the, in the state, and they were on the team, and they were on the starting five along uh, probably the only name you'll, you'll know is, is Jamal Mas- Mashburn, or, or they called him in the NBA Monster Mash. He was the only one who, who wanted to stay with Kentucky uh, after they found out that um, we, we were paying folks to play. Um, but that's okay now. Um, so anyway, March 1992, the Duke Blue Devils were, were guaranteed to win it all. Coach K and his team, uh, they had men like Grant Hill and Christian Leitner on that team. And they were, I mean, they had NBA Hall of Famers starting. And these little, these little guys in Kentucky had made their way all the way up to the Elite Eight. As a matter of fact, with, se- with two seconds to go, Kentucky just takes the lead in overtime against the Duke Blue Devils, number one seed. And then all we have to do is make sure we don't foul and the time runs off the game. There's no way these guys can get the shot up because they're having to throw the ball in from behind the goal. So Grant Hill inbounds the ball, throws it like a dodgeball all the way the full length of the court, but standing in front of Christian Leitner is Darren Feldhouse and John Pelfrey. And Christian Leitner intercepts the pass from Grand Hill, and he turns, and Darren Feldhouse and John Pelfrey are standing there just like I am right now. (laughs) 
and he turns as he jumps into the air. The buzzer goes red. Zero on the clock. The ball comes out of his hand. Swish. The crowd goes wild. And they're dressed in blue, but they're not dressed in wildcat blue. You see people, people devastated and destroyed. Kentucky's dreams and hopes of winning an NCAA championship before we're getting ready to go into all those years of not even being able to play in the NCAA championship. This was our last year, our final hope. All we had left. One more time, we wanted Rick Pitino to, to lead us in and get a championship, but it was gone. And, and it was final and it was over. But you say, well, what does that basketball story have to do with church this morning? The truth is a lot of us came in here with no time left on the clock. We came in here, and this is, this is the opportunity that we have. This is, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the opportunity that the Lord has given for us. And you know... Um, and this is going way off course, but that's okay. Well, I'll catch back on the train in a minute. Um, there will be a time when we're able to think back to exact moments and exact, exact seconds in time. And, and some things that I have dealt with over the last year, um, when I truly allowed the Holy Ghost into me um, and search me and... and, and help me work through some things, um, it's just absolutely amazing because he, he searched out exact moments in time where I had the decision to go one way or the decision to go another. And, and because of the decision I had made, I had made an absolute wreck of my physical life. And, and he showed me the very moment, the very second of where I was. And, and, and I remembered it. When, when he showed it to me, I remembered every bit of it. And, and the Holy Ghost is not someone who's going to come in and just, and just take over and set up camp. As our pastor says, uh, he is an absolute gentleman. He only comes in if, if he's invited. He only starts looking, he, he, he's, not, he's not your buddy that got, comes in and, and you invite him over and he goes, if he wants something to drink, he goes and opens up the refrigerator, he, he, he will ask before, before he touches anything inside you. And you have the opportunity to let him do that. And, and one thing that I have learned that every point in my life and every part of my life that I have given him access to, he has made it much for the good. Uh, he, he's been able to improve things and heal things and, and help me work through things in my life. And, and you know, uh, I, I know he, he said it in jest, but, um, you know, being, uh, coming from my background, from, from my religious background and, and having my eyes open to new things, all I can say is thank God Island Church is a non-denominational church because uh, if, if it weren't for that, I'd, I'd be really mixed up. You know, I, you know, I come from a, a background. I, I started out uh, being ordained as, as a minister in the Church of Christ uh, and then ended up being uh, an ordained minister with the Baptist Church once I found out that, that there were lots of things that I just couldn't go on with and agree with uh, in, in that. 
and, and as I've learned and, and the more I've given, you know, my path has been a, a, a very uh, different and difficult path. Um, but the more that I have yielded to the Holy Ghost, the more he has uh, revealed to me and shown me the true path that he wanted me to be on. He's taken me all the way back to when uh, I was four years old, standing on the back of a sofa reaching for the telephone. That's when we used... How many folks in here are are 30 or under? (laughs) Okay, so for... Let me go over here to the folks that aren't liars. So back when I was young, there were these things that would be on the wall and on the kitchen and they were called telephones. But they were like hard mounted. You, you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't take them with you or in your pocket. You couldn't even put them in a the car. That, that's, a, that's a whole different sermon when we talk about car phones. Um, so anyway, so I, I, my grandmother was on the phone and my mom was hanging up the phone and she was putting it back on the, on the wall. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a runner when I'm a little kid. And I, I hopped up on the back of that sofa and I went up and the, the phone was just off the edge of it and reached out to grab it and, you know, didn't quite make it. So I fell and, and you know, childproofing a home uh, wasn't a top priority in the <laughs> early 70s. So on the way down, I, I hit, a, uh, hit an end table and it sliced my throat. And I should have died. But thank God we had Holy Ghost filled neighbors. Um, and they, they came in, and, and right, before, right before I blacked out, uh, I remember them uh, kneeling down and praying for me and speaking in a language that I had no idea what they were saying and uh, praying over me. And, and here I stand with, uh, you know, and scar, scars heal, and, and sometimes they move. and you know, thank God for facial hair because it covers it up. Um, but but that's, that's my first experience. Uh, and the Holy Ghost reminded me of that and showed me of that as I've been working through things in my own life and, and trying to figure things out with that. But I want to talk to us today. Um, turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Kings chapter 20. And... Um, you know, for those of you that this may be your first time hearing me, uh, I, I like to start out with a, a passage or two of Scripture and then assimilate that to, to things in my, my own life or, or people that I know. So, you know, as you get to know me, be careful. Uh, the, the, the rules of knowing me is anything you say or do can and will wind up in a sermon. So uh, definitely be careful of that. But, um, all right, 1 Kings chapter 20. Now, Benadad, king of Aram, mustered his entire army, accompanied by 32 kings. With their horses and chariots, he went up and besieged Samaria and attacked it. He sent messengers into the city to Ahab, the king of Israel, saying, This is what Benadad says. Your silver and your gold are mine. And the best of your wives and children are mine. The king of Israel answered. Remember, this is the king of Israel. This is God's people. The king of Israel answered to Benadad. Just as you say, my lord, the king, I and all I have are yours. The messengers came again 
and said, This is what Ben-Hadad says. I sent to demand your silver and gold, your wives and your children, but about this time tomorrow I'm going to send my officials to search your palace and the houses of your officials. They will seize everything you value and carry it away. The king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, See how this man is looking for trouble? When he sent for my wives and my children, my silver and my gold, I did not refuse him. The elders and the people all answered, Don't you listen to him or agree to his demands. So he replied to Benadad's messengers, Tell my lord the king, Your servant will do all you demanded the first time, but this demand I cannot meet. They left and took the answer back to Benadad. So, um, you know, a lot of us, you know, may have not heard about Benadad, and uh, you know, and and heard about this particular this particular passage. Is there very many of us that haven't haven't studied this in depth before? Am I, or, or am I, I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a Baptist thing. I don't know. Uh, let me uh, let me give us a little bit more a, a little more uh, verse that will be a little more recognizable to you uh, in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, and uh, we're going to start about uh, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want us to take a look um, as we go back off. And I'm going to speak to you today on a, a sermon entitled, Prepare for the Attack. Um, and, and being prepared for attacks, uh, there's something that we have to understand. Number one is who the enemy is. Do you realize in the religious world, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand, before I came to Island Church, I had no idea who the true enemy was. And you're like, oh, I know they teach that the devil is bad in the Baptist church. I know that they, they, you know that they teach that God is good in the Baptist church. But the religious world kind of gets the, the lines blurred just a little bit sometimes. And, and I say this in respect, and I say it in all humility, because I myself had those very same lines blurred. But the Bible tells us very plainly that there is an enemy of our soul. There is an enemy of, of our very existence, and he comes for no other reasons but to kill, steal, and destroy. God will never, has never been a part of any of this against His children. God's poured out all of His wrath. Everything that was ever uh, at odds between God and man was settled once and for all in that God showed His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there was, a, there was between God and man a great divide, but there was a day uh, 2,000 years ago when a man named Jesus of Nazareth reached out his hand, and then he reached out his other hand 
and brought them together. And when he said it is finished, it was over. There was no more divide between God and man. Now, while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, while we were without a Savior, while we were without hope in this world, there was hope. And Jesus is that hope. And that is what we have. But now we have a battle, a battle to prepare for. You know, I, I thought about how to share this, and, you know, I, I've uh, never been in a church where it's okay to, to be yourself, and you don't, have to be, you don't have to be plastic, and you don't have to pretend with people, and, you know, you don't have to uh, do the it-came-with-the-frame family smile. <laughs> You, 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 can be, uh, you can be real with folks. So a couple, couple years ago, I had gotten to the point where I was on a lot of lifetime chronic medications because of, uh, because of choices that I had made. And, uh, you know, I, w I was having to take diabetes medication. I was having to take acid reflux medication. And it was because of decisions that I had made. And, you know, I, and I got to the point where I was like, how in the world did I get to this? You know, I, I used to teach healthy living classes. I used to uh, have physicians come in and, and had, we had our own uh, Dr. Oz show and, and we would have rooms filled up with people and we would focus on heart health and focus on nutrition and, and focus on, on body things. And, and then it, it kind of got off, off kilter and I, I found myself uh, way overweight and diabetes had set in and just as sure as I always said, you know, this, this may have plagued my parents and it may have plagued my grandparents, but it will stop with me and I'm going to abstain from these things and, and not be a part of it. And I've got willpower that will squash that. It stops here. Well, I found out that willpower and abstinence is just not enough. And no matter how hard I tried. And, and then, um, so I went to the doctor uh, and, and I said to the doctor, I, you know, and, and um, one thing I, I do ask, you know, this is not, none of this is meant to be offensive to anyone in any way. I am not uh, here to, to uh, encourage or discourage you from any type of medical procedures or, or seeking out professional help in, in any way uh, whatsoever. I'm just here to tell my story and, and what happened with me because I, I you know, I, I love you all, and I, I want you to know what, what kind of things happened to me. Um, so I'm standing there talking, talking to the doctor. Uh, even went to talk to our uh, uh, chief of surgery and, and said, you know, I, I would like to get um, gastric bypass done. You know, I, I've tried and I've tried, and, and I just can't... Um, you know, I, I can't stop eating fast food. I can't stop eating the things that I know that I'm not supposed to. And, you know, I've tried and tried and tried, and I, I just can't get back on the wagon with this, no matter how hard I try. And I, I remember she looked at me and she said, so you're one of those. And I was like, what do you mean? So 
you're wanting to look at this as some magic trick. You're wanting to look at it as, as something that, that you can just go in, have a quick surgery, and everything's done, and everything's gone, and, and you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and live whatever kind of lifestyle you want to live, and everything would be okay. And um, she said, do you realize that before you would even be a candidate for this surgery? And she said, number one, you're, you're uh, 15 pounds too light to qualify for it. And I was like, so the first thing through my mind is, oh, I can take care of that in a couple of weeks. Um, so, so, I, so I was like, I can fix that one, doc. But, you know, you, you have to go for a, a very long period of time to show that you're able to follow certain regimens because if you try to live like that, once you have this procedure done, it'll kill you. So you're, you, you're going to have to change your habits and you're going to have to change your processes. And until you do that, until you're willing to change that, you're not going to be successful even with this procedure. I was like, huh, all right. So then I tried something and did something that I've never done before. And when you get ready to do this, it, it, it's very eye-opening. But I wanted to search out what God would have me to do. You know, God, I, I think God cares about us. God wants us to live our best, best life now. God wants to give us the desires of our heart. God wants us to be able to live quiet and peaceable lives in all reverence and godliness. He wants us to be able to live in, in such a way... Um, that, that we are happy and healthy in this life. You know, yes, we, we've got heaven to gain. We've got a heaven wherever, where there's going to be no sickness, where God Himself shall wipe away every tear from our eye. There's going to be streets of gold. There's going to be walls of jasper. There's going to be gates of pearl. There's going to be praising and worshiping of God. There's going to be one long, beautiful day because there's going to be a light coming from God Himself. We don't need the sun there. But I believe we can have a wonderful life right here, right now. We talked about the enemy. Well, friends, let me introduce you to one named Jesus. He said, I came for one purpose, to give you life and life more abundantly. You will never see Jesus cross the line and he will never deal or tempt you with evil. And if we say that, how dare us bring an accusation? That is a lie from the devil when we say, oh, and I remember when we were going through the cancer diagnosis with Priscilla, well, oh, this is God's path. You know, this, this is just what we're going to, you know, God did this for a reason. And, and, and you know, he's going to put us in the pathway of people and, and maybe there'll be people we can bless. But for whatever reason, God, God allowed this to happen. We're ready to take our stand and, and, and go through it. And, and that, what a terrible way to live. What a terrible way to live. When I talked to a, a friend of mine and he, he talked about a, a child that had died and, and, you know, well, you know, I guess, I guess God just wanted that rose to be in heaven. You know, 
Who wants to serve a God like that? That's not the God that, that we serve. We serve a God that loves us so much that He gave His life for us. That's the God that we serve. But I want you to understand that no matter how big your problem was, and I, I was facing a big problem. You know, uh, it was starting to affect my heart, starting to affect my organs. I was on medications every single day. And, and you know, this is a healing. This healing was going to have to be different. And when you have lifelong chronic illnesses and, and things that you're dealing with, your, your approach to that battle that, that the enemy has brought on you, it, it's different. It, it, it's, it's more than just a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle because it has to do with choices and, and has to do with these types of things. And, and you know, we, we just found the king of Israel. You know, when Benadad uh, is doing all this, you know, Ahab, the first thing he does, and this, this is a big thing, you know, 32 kings coming against him. So his first thought is, if I've got all these armies, 32 armies coming against me, and they have just destroyed Samaria and taken it over, and now they're coming against him, the king of Israel answered, just as you say, my lord, the king, I and all I have are yours. So at that point, I had two choices. At this point, he has two choices. But don't you think it's unusual that the king of Israel, the king of Israel, at no point do you see in this passage where he says, let me bring in a prophet. Let me search the scriptures. Let me go to the grafe. And, and find out. Let me, uh, you know, uh, Brother Roland talked about how our praise rehearses the victories of God. This is the people who crossed the Red Sea. This is the people who encompassed Jericho and the walls came down. These are the people who planted 12 stones of remembrance on the Jordan River after God parted it. They're still there that day when he made this decree with the king. All that I have, it's all yours. Every bit of it. And that's where I was. It was either just give up and, and live and, and suffer diabetes, suffer, suffer acid reflux, you know, knowing, knowing that it had led... Uh, to terrible things and, and different family members and, and ended up costing them their lives or change things. But I want to let you know that no matter how big your problems are, no matter what it is that you're facing, no matter how big you know, my problems were that I, was, that I was facing, they're welcome here. This is a faith-filled church. We believe that God can change lives. We believe that He can break chains. We believe that He can break addictions. I have seen, I have seen ever, ever since God deposited into me uh, about a year ago the gift of, of healing in Jesus' name and to be able to, to lay hands on the sick and they have been healed. You can't convince me that God can't 
do it. That He can't break the addictions that you're going through. That He can't heal the pain. That He can't take the pieces of your broken heart and knit them back together to where you would never know that they were, had ever been broken in the first place. That's the God I serve. And your problems are welcome here. I have seen people with metastatic cancer be healed just like that. I have seen people who could not walk independently dance in that spot. You can't tell me that God can't heal. That He can't defeat every enemy in hell. That He can't destroy Satan himself. And that He doesn't have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Because I believe, you know, we, we talk about that cross and when He said it is finished and when He died, I believe that He took the sins of mankind straight to hell. And I believe that before He left that His heel was on the head of the serpent before He picked up those keys and left out of there and entered back into this world through a rolled back stone door. That's the God that I serve. Your problems are welcome here. You're not too far gone. The ceiling's still up. You walked in today. I had several, several folks that were supposed to be here today, and, and maybe they thought, thought we were not structurally sound. They, they, but they, they said, uh, if I walk in, the, the roof will cave in. And I was like, no, no, we're, we're good. We're good. God, God's definitely, definitely done more for worse people. Matter of fact, you know, if we, if we thumbed back over four chapters before this one and went down to about the 30th verse... You would find out, you know, a lot of us said we've never really heard a lot about King Ahab. That's because we don't preach about King Ahab a lot. Um, King Ahab, as a matter of fact, the Bible says just a few pages back over that he was the most wicked king that had ever lived. That there is not a king before him that had ever done anything that even started to compare to how King Ahab ruled over Israel. But we're going to see in just a minute that even in all his faults, and, and, and that's because, you know, Ahab, the only time we really preach about Ahab is, is when we look at the problems he caused. And, you know, he, the, the things he done. Actually, his wife is probably way more famous than him. Uh, her name is Jezebel, but that's a different, different story for a different day. Um, but, you know, the thing I don't like about Ahab is, is probably I relate to him a lot. And sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes it's easier to agree with the lie than it is to change processes, and that it is to, to stay in the fight. And, and what the Holy Ghost told me at that point was, I'm going to take you back and show you what the real problem is. 
And so the Holy Ghost took me back to a drive-through in 2013, and it was about six o'clock in the evening. And I had just gotten off work. I'd been at work for about 12 hours. And I had been so busy that I completely forgot to eat. And my father had recently been diagnosed with acute onset leukemia. I mean, it just out of nowhere. And they said, you've only got a few months to live. And, you know, one month he's completely fine. The next month he's, he, he's ready to go. And I was really upset with my dad because... He, he, he didn't want to fight it. Didn't want to take any kind of stand. Um, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, he just, he fully accepted that diagnosis. He, he you know, he, he was, you know, you know, he's like, how long do I have? And he was going to live however he wanted to live. And, and he had called me and he was staying with us at the time. And, um, and he said, I want some steak and shake. And um, so, you know, steak and shake is kind of like Freddy's, but better. But um, <laughs> sorry if you work at Freddy's. Um, but he said, I want you to pick me up. I want you to pick me up a barbecue bacon Freddy's steak, double steak burger. No, make it a triple. <laughs> and, and I, you know... And I, I was, you know, being the health conscious person that I am, I've always, you know, always, I was like, Dad, you can't be eating like that. And do you know what this will do to you? And he's like, no, I don't care. And, and, and make sure that, make sure the milkshake is large and the fries have cheese on them. And, and so I got that and, and they, they set it in and just the whiff of that just, just knocked me down. I was like, oh my God goodness, that smells so amazing. And, and I, I said, I'm going to just, you know, he, he's going to have to pay fry tax. So, you know, I grabbed a couple fries and I was like, oh. And then I was like, I need a, I need a bite of that. I need the bite of that burger. And then the next, thing I, the next thing I know, I was ordering everything off the menu. And, and the Holy Ghost showed me that was the spot. Now, it and a lot of you are thinking, well, yeah, you were a health nut and you took a, a bite of burger. You know, it's the same if somebody is battling alcoholism and, and they take a drink and, and you fell off the wagon. And, and that's, that's not it at all because the Holy Ghost took me back a little further. And I remembered my very first time you know, and, and as, as I was sitting, I, I actually wrote my dad's um, eulogy or, or history. I, I, you know, I, I didn't want it to be one of those, you know, one-page deals where, you know, he worked here and did this and did that, and it's over in 30 seconds. I, I wanted it. Uh, he, he lived just a, a, an epic life, kind of the, he, he was kind of like the, um, you know, the, the Kentucky redneck version of Pastor Rusty. But, um, you know, he had just lived this epic life. And then the Holy Ghost took me back to my, my very first memory of him. And um, there was lightning flashing uh, in a very rainy night. And, you know, Dad, Dad was drunk again and wanting to take the car out and... Uh, 
you know, my sister and I were hiding under the bed, and as the lightning flashed across the dark sky, you know, I, I remember seeing him pull his hand back and, and knocking my mom to the ground and then taking off in the car. And it wasn't really about food, but it was more about forgiveness. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, we've talked about the, these different times. Fast forward from there, in 1997, I had the amazing privilege to baptize my father. And he gave his life to the Lord. And then, you know, a, a decade later, he didn't even want to fight. But I had to go back to that moment and forgive my father. I had, I had to go all the way back there. And once I did that, fast forward to a year ago, then now it, it started the healing process in my life. So let, let's go over to Philippians chapter 4 for just a second as, as we were looking there. Do not be anxious about anything. And when you're, dealing, when you're dealing with things in life, especially when it comes to, to healing, uh, when it comes to, to things of, of God, and you know, when there's things in your life that need, you need to change processes and, 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 and work on pieces of you, there, there's you know, kind of like a, a dashboard in a car and you'll see a, a check engine light well, probably the first thing that will help you know that there are things in your life that need to be addressed is it, it manifests itself in something that the Bible calls, calls anxiety. That, that's how we know. That, that's how we know there, there's something in my life that needs to be addressed because the Apostle Paul tells us, you know, if we back up to verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and, and if you look up that word that's, um, you know, here in the NIV, they translated it always. Uh, if you look that up in the ancient Greek, do you know what the, the true meaning of that word is? It's always. Um, <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. You know, and sometimes I just want to argue with the Apostle Paul about that. And I'm like, Paul, you didn't even raise kids. You know, <laughs> how can you say don't be anxious about everything? Have you seen, uh, Paul, have you, have you sat and seen these news channels these days? I mean, you've got the news anchor telling me all the terrible stuff. And not only telling me about what's going on, but how I ought to think and feel about it. And then over on this side, I've got the headlines going on and on and on and on and on. And then at the bottom, hey, wait, there's more. At the bottom, I've got a ticker tape going constantly and I'm trying to read it. Oh my God, that's going on there. Oh my goodness, the stock market's going down. Oh my goodness, this is going on. And, and 24 hours a day. 
And if that wasn't enough, if I turn it to the next channel, it's the same thing. But it's not telling me there to think about it the same way they're telling me to think about it over here. They're telling me to think about it a different way because this is what's going on and this is why they're telling me to think that way. And then I can go over here to this other channel and they're telling me a completely different way. Those two guys aren't telling you to think about what's going on in the world the right way. This is how you need to think about what's going on. <sighs> and all of a sudden... Anxiety steps in really, really hard. But the Apostle Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What if, what if, mind you, we started praying to God about the small stuff. What if instead of me waiting until I've got diabetes and until I've got acid reflux and, and I don't want to be like my aunt who, who died from esophageal cancer uh, because she didn't deal with the acid reflux. What if when I was just thinking about the issues that were going on, what if I came to God in the thought process? And that's what I love. That's what I love about up here. You know, the first time, if, if you're going to get a... Thank, everybody help me real quick. Thank God for the Baptists. Amen. To get a Baptist to come up for, for, for healing, I mean, it, it, it had to be bad. <laughs> I mean, it is rough. It, I, I mean, you know, cunt... Country music comes out of places like that for a reason. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have people like George Strait up there. You know, we, we, got, we got these guys that, you know, I ran over my dog today and, and all this. But um, anyway, it, it has to be bad. But what I love about here, what I love about Island Church, you can start over here and, and somebody will say, you know, I lost something and, and I need God to just the Holy Spirit to just help me navigate where it is. Or, and there'll be somebody, you know, they're, they're just, you know, I, I need God to help me with a thought. I need God to help me, uh, to help me with this. And, and that's, that's the beautiful thing. When we get to the point where the Holy Ghost is truly working on us and we give Him full access from head to toe, that, that's what the, this whole thing about, you know, we're talking about the last few weeks about being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, bab, baptized comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge. You know, to be completely engulfed and completely covered with the Holy Ghost. And, and that's what we want. We want to receive the Holy Ghost in baptismal measure so that we don't have to get to the point where we're like King Ahab and we've got 32 kings coming to destroy everything we have. And we don't even think about God because we've gotten so far away from God that God is an afterthought. God's like our insurance policy that if our house is destroyed, then we go talk to God. But God is not really that. God wants to be there to help you build your house. That's, that's the God that we have. Don't be anxious about anything. Learn to control your thoughts. And how, you're like, how do you do that? I do it with the Word of God. I thank you, God, that my mind has been renewed. 
I thank you, God, that, that with my heart, I believe that you are the one true God. I confess it with my mouth. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. You can only truly mean that and say it by unction of the Holy Ghost. I mean, when Peter was standing there looking at Jesus and Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And some think you're Elijah and some think you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Who do you think that I am? Can you imagine that? And a lot of us, we, we think, well, you know, if, if, if I could have been there in the boat, if I could have been there in the boat, and see him reach out and calm the waves, I'd be able to believe it. If I would have been there, if I would have been there when they were walking with, and, and blind Bartimaeus shouts out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If I could have been there and see it, I'd have faith like those guys had. But the Apostle Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul says he was far accelerated in the faith because he wasn't there for that. He actually was able to walk by faith and not by sight and have the exact same love, the exact same drive in each of us. We're even of more benefit than Paul because all these things, you know, when we read about the Philippians and when we read about what he wrote to the Ephesians, you know, he was living that out and it was current and it was going on and happening at that time. But we can look back and we've got all the collective gospels and we're able to have all of God's word and we don't want to leave it on the graphe. We want it to become logos in us so that when we need that logos to turn into rhema, then we've got a rhema word for that situation. When we suffer and, and start having pain and illnesses and sicknesses in our body, we can say, by the stripes on Jesus' back, we are the healed of God. That the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. That when we're having to suffer through broken heart, we can say, God is close to the brokenhearted. I may have sorrow for the night, Joy comes in the morning. I will live and I will not die. With long life you will satisfy me. That's the God that we're serving. Because we need that. Because when he says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But Ahab wasn't thinking about those things. But I want us to go back over as we're bringing Ahab, uh, Ahab to the end. So when we left him, Ahab was, um, things weren't looking too good for Ahab. Ahab needed victory. He needed miraculous he needed supernatural. But before that could ever be released in Ahab's life, he had to follow what the elders said and number one, break his agreement with the enemy. 
God was not going to work in his life until he broke his agreement with the enemy. God is not going to work in your life until you're willing, not fully, work in your life until you're willing to break your agreements with the enemy. And sometimes it is easy to believe the lie. It was easier for Ahab to say, come and get my silver and gold. Come and get my best wives. Come and get my kids. Come and get it all. Take it all. I don't want to fight anymore. It was easier for him to believe the lie than it was for him to fight and even seek out the Word of God. So I'm going to bring us on down. In verse 12, Benadad and the 32 kings having a party, drinking. In verse 12, Benadad gives the order, prepare to attack. So they prepared to attack the city. Now, behind the scenes. Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, the king of Israel, and announced, This is what the Lord says. We can stop right here and, and, and be done. This is what the Lord says. What do I want my kids to hear? This is what the Lord says. What do I want to be following when I am am at my wit's end and I'm suffering anxiety? What is it that I truly want to follow? This is what the Lord says. When I have got a medical report and there is no way on God's green earth that I can beat this report. This is a death sentence. This is what the enemy wants me to hear. But what is it that I want to hear? What the Lord says. This is what Ahab has been waiting for. This is what Israel has been waiting for all this time. Death is coming. Death is riding with 32 kings. Abinadab has just destroyed Syria or Samaria. And he's riding in to Israel tonight. But this is what the Lord says. That doesn't make sense to me, Rob. I'm an alcoholic. That doesn't make sense to me, Rob. I can't stop eating. That doesn't make sense to me, Rob. You don't understand. My kids are hooked on drugs. That doesn't make sense, Rob. I don't have any money in the bank. That don't make sense, Rob. My 401k is destroyed. That don't make sense, Rob. I can't do it. The odds are stacked against me. I can't climb out. But this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today. And then you will know that I am the Lord. You know, I dealt really bad and I'm going to close this up really, really quick. I struggled my entire life at times wondering if God was truly real. Wondering if it was just, you know, man, you know, these things happen 
And, uh, you know, th this kind of stuff comes against us. And, and actually, uh, Brother Frank, if the whole praise team could join us for just a second. And Keith and Sarah, if you guys could be on standby for me just a second. We're going to uh, minister in just a second. Because there, there needs to be some folks here today that hears what the Lord says. Um, there were times when I, I truly wondered, is it all real? But I can tell you, since I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, since I was sitting right behind Brother Trey, and Pastor Rusty spoke these words from this stage, and, and he talked about a man who had gone his entire Christian existence and had never, never run out of joy for God, had never shouted out of praise for God, and he, he said that he, he asked God in prayer, God, why have you never given me a shout? God, why have you never given me a run? God, why have you never given me a praise? God, why have you never uh, had me to lift my hands and worship you? And he said, God spoke back to him. Why haven't you given me a run? Why haven't you given me a praise? Why haven't you given me a shout? And about that time, you know, I, I, I deal in faith and, and flow in the Holy Ghost through faith now. Um, but at that time, there was a physical manifestation of electricity that hit my fingertips and engulfed my whole body all the way down. The next morning... An ordained Baptist preacher is on his way. And I said, God, I need you to help me understand what happened in that place yesterday. I, I'd never felt that before. I need you to let me know what happened. And the Lord said, Why don't you tell me what happened? And... I said, God the Father, my deliverer, has rescued me out of the miry clay and set me up on a solid rock where I'm able to see the fullness of His gospel and know the supernatural workings of the Holy Ghost and how He would have me spend this season of my life so that the best is yet to come for me and my family. In just a couple short moments, I'm going to read the rest of these verses because I want you to be prepared. We're preparing for an attack. Afterward, the prophet came to the king of Israel and said, Strengthen your position. See what must be done, because next spring the king of Aram will attack you again. You see, Abinadab thought our God was like Baal, that he was closed off to geographical locations. That because they had defeated him in the hills, if they came against Israel in the valleys, they'd be able to defeat Israel because he thought our king, our God, 
was just the God of the hills. And then here comes the prophet again. This is what the Lord says. Because Abinadab thinks that I am a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver him into your hand today. And Israel, they looked like they looked like two herds of small goats. And that's how God described them. And God can describe us pretty good sometimes. He, he can see the good in us. But the Bible says they look like two herds of small goats going out against a vast army. And God delivered them. It's time for us to prepare for the battle. It's time for us to break bonds with the enemies. Keith and Sarah, if you would join me for just a moment. But I, I want us, and Priscilla, if you would come up. But I want us to, to start making our way toward the front. God is, is in this place. God inhabits the praise of His people. And He has given us breath. But there are things in our lives. I, I want us to just sit in the presence of God for just a second. And if you would be so bold, and I pray for boldness for this room, if you would be so bold to allow God to search you, to allow the Holy Ghost to start searching you. Where have I believed the lie? Where do I have agreements that need to be broken with the enemy? Where do I need to forgive? Where do I need to be forgiven? Where have I believed the lie? But I want us to, as we start to think about that, I want you to have boldness to step out on faith and start making your way down to the front because we want to pray with you and for you. We want to join in your faith and as we're breaking breaking and rebuking the lies of the enemy, you're going to start to feel healing come through your body. You know, as I end the story on diabetes medication for years, on acid reflux medication since I was 22 years old, I got a new medical report just a few weeks ago. We're sorry, but we can't write your prescription anymore. What do you mean? You're no longer diabetic. I can't write you a prescription for acid reflux medication anymore. Because there's nothing wrong with you. You've been made whole. But it took having the boldness to allow the Holy Ghost to truly... Search and breaking the agreement. Not believing the lie of the enemy. But as they start to play and start to sing, if you would, let's all stand and, and we will uh, worship as we end our service. But I would love for you to come down. If it's in the area of finances and you have, have uh, not 
believed that God truly has the best in store for you. And, and you have struggled in the area of finances. And if you have struggled in the area of health, if you have struggled in the area of relationships, if you have struggled in the area of, of having a broken heart or just being anxious, if the devil has attacked you in the high places and he's starting now to hit you in the low places, he couldn't get your marriage you didn't blow your brains out that night. But now he's attacking your kids. We want to join in faith with you. If, they, if those that are in your family that are suffering from drug addictions, we want to join in faith with you. For the marriage that you believe that can be knitted back together, we want to, in, to join in faith with you. If you guys would start down there, it's, we start. It's time for us to join in faith. It's time for us to prepare for the attack. Because the enemy will come back. Bring your thoughts to God now. We're going to start at the, at the speed of thought. And take control over our minds. Take control over the things that the enemy thinks that he can steal from us. We are not going to accept it anymore. I feel in my heart that there's someone else here today that needs to make a final decision. That this is your opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. So as the church bows their head just for a second, and I know we've gone, gone a little bit long, this is your opportunity. This is, this is your shot. You were here today because Jesus loves you. Would you raise your hand just so we can pray for you real for a moment? This is your opportunity. One hand. All right. Thank you, God, for that hand. So, you know, here, here's the thing. When we talked about the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. The word there used guard in the Greek is a military term. It's talking about dispatching an infantry to set up an around-the-clock keep. It was used over by a group of shepherds one night. The Bible God looked down. He saw shepherds keeping watch over their sheep by night. And then they were dispatched to leave all those sheep to go see the one lamb. And as John the Baptist would refer to him, behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of our world, of the world. We're going to pray for that one. If we would, just for a moment. This is the most important thing that we will ever do. Is pray for this one. And if you would, everybody repeat after me. And our dear brother that's raised his hand. Repeat after me so that you can audibly hear this. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you for bringing me here today. I thank you for bringing me here today. I thank you. Thank you for love. And I thank you that while I was in sin, that Jesus died for me. 
His blood was shed for me. And it forgives my sins and makes me His child. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And I believe in Him today. And I give Him my life that I can live for Him. And I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Can I hear it? There are angels rejoicing in heaven right now. Let's join with our brother. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, I have to say, I didn't know you before the Holy Spirit, but I believe that the Holy Spirit has changed you. Amen. And just made you... Amen. Yeah. I mean, you've always been a long-winded preacher. That hasn't changed. <laughs> just kidding. Good work. Amen. Thank you, Rob. That was great. Give him a hand. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's be dismissed. Father, we just thank you for this service, for all that you have done. Lord, we just give you all the honor and the glory. We know it's you and your spirit working among us. So we're honored by that. We thank you that as we leave today that you travel with us. You keep us safe. You keep us protected. Lord, we believe that there is a covenant of safety and protection that's available unto us. By faith, we appropriate it now, declaring the angels of God watch over us, keep us safe as we travel to and from work, school, church. And Father, we just thank you for that. Lord, we bless you today. Declare that you are worthy of our praise and our worship. So we lift it up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.